Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Freaking first cut. Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your DFS preview for this week's Wyndham Championship. And joining me to break it all down, Sia Najad is here. Sia, what up? Rick, what is up? After watching you play golf last week, I got to wonder, are you you going to be in this tournament? Are you a late ad? I'm uh, the 90th alternate, so we need a couple of guys to to drop out of here, and then I'll be I'll be right in the mix. You can roster me for the min price. I can fail to make the cut, and all will be right in the world. I think is the way this this whole thing shakes out. Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, you are back in action. Good to have you on a Monday. Uh, well, I'm very 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 happy to be back. I can you, if you have to miss one. For you know, vacation and family time, I personally can live with that. But to miss two in a row, not it's out of the question. I'm thrilled to be back. I mi- I love this is the thing. I, I took a little vacation last week, a little more than a week. And one thing that I realized is how much I love covering this stuff with you guys. So it brings a lot of appreciation to me. So I'm fired up. But Rick, before I I know we're this is a long intro, and I don't mean to okay. get on a soapbox here, but you're around playing golf. Sweet <laughs> to watch. Okay. It's a great yes. idea. But the biggest piece of advice I can give you, you can't make the title. My chipping sucks. <laughs> you can't that's, a, that. that's, that's, an, that's an ode to Victor. Now, I, under, uh, I understand. <laughs> but you can't say that. You can't say that about yourself. Listen, you got to do it for the clicks. Also, I'm yeah, happy it is to take, good. It's good for clicks. It's good for clicks. I'm happy to take uh, advice from you, Greg, because everybody in the comments, believe it or not, is a swing coach on YouTube. I'm not sure if you're if you're aware of that, Greg. I got all yeah. all the tips, man. Hey, you're doing this yeah. wrong. The next guy, the opposite. It was. It's yeah. amazing. I love. I'm gonna it. try to employ them all, <laughs> but it, it's like you can't go into a fantasy golf competition and say I suck at fantasy golf and expect to do well. You got to go in. You got to go in with confidence like you're gonna win so um yeah that's my one piece of advice but i I do understand the clicks and the ode to victor if if i may the show you did on 300 yards to unknown with greg with all of those tips and advice that was a really good show i i I listened to it start to finish i think people should go back and listen to that show it was excellent uh greg yeah well first of all thank you and greg that is uh last i checked one of the most listened to episodes in a long time and i got a lot of feedback about that people love that might have to have you back on and 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 keep 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 on the grind any anytime we like helping you the the thing is when somebody feels like they can get a little bit out of it right um i i know who my picks are going to be for the week i know what i can do to improve my game those are the things people love and it's um what i love to do so thank you for having me on it was an honor well let's let's be confident about this slate the wyndham championship sia sedgefield country club hosting every year since 2008 it is indeed a donald ross design but i think the big overarching storyline you're going to hear a lot sia is 
It's the regular season finale. This is where every shot counts, right? This is where you either make or break your opportunities to get into the FedEx Cup playoffs. That's the narrative for the week. Do you care about that in your fantasy lineups? Not really. Um, I've I've kind of found if you if you go back historically and you look at hey hey this guy like Ricky Fowler needs to do well in this tournament to qualify for such and such you know it it usually just it the it's not high impact in my opinion that doesn't mean that those guys can't do well I just think those guys are probably going to do well because of course history like you might have here or because of recent form you know things or you know how they look relative to the field uh, but in terms of hey man they they need to make it to get into the playoffs. Uh, I just don't think that's that's a narrative. I'm the captain and king of narratives, but that's not a narrative I think I want to get into. All right, I'm going to share my screen here. Everything you see is uh, from my website. It's from rickrungood.com. And Greg, when you look at Sedgefield, it is a place that uh, I think is is usually pretty consistent. The last five years, 20 under par or better has won it. It is kind of your classic Donald Ross design, generally played the same exact time every single year. This is pretty consistent. What can we expect out of Sedgefield this week? Uh, it's a really cool golf course because there's an opportunity to shoot 59 like um, like Brant Snedeker did a while ago. But there are some really demanding shots, um, some tricky shot values. You have that Bermuda grass rough that kind of reminds me of what we saw in Memphis, where it's not like U.S. Open rough we're used to where it, it's difficult to get out of, where you're going to end up short of greens. But it gives you enough to think about when you're approaching these greens, which can get firm, they are slopey um, there. You have to be on the right side of the whole location here. And when you get in the rough, it's really hard to control distance. So uh, I, I think good drivers of the golf ball do really well here. I think of a guy like, um, like CT pan Webb Simpson guys that can really put the ball in play nicely, but ultimately um, it, it's like a lot of courses we play on tour where it comes down to an an approach fest. I just think there's a little bit heavier of an influence on uh, driving accuracy. Yeah, the Webb Simpson uh, championship is what we could call this. See, we'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, Greg's eye test and my data test align. So I run this for the last dozen years. The Sedgefield uh, data is really, really strong because of everything that I mentioned. We haven't missed a year. It's hosted constantly, generally the same exact spot on the calendar. And driving accuracy was the strongest correlated stat to success. Webb Simpson certainly helps in that category. But being able to play out of the short grass, giving yourself a lot of in this case, a lot of wedges, a lot of nine irons into these greens. Um, that is how you are going to separate yourself from the rest of the field. Yeah. And you could almost just look at those top three that you have there driving accuracy, birdie or better percentage strokes gain putting. If you look at those three and that's how you build your model, you're probably not that far off. I mean, obviously you can add approach there. If you want to add proximities, you can do that too, but I totally agree. Keep it in the fairway. If you have a great approach game, that's obviously big time. And then you you, you are going to have to putt, you know, and you, I mean, if you're good on Bermuda, just like last week, that, that's great. Um, but, I, you know, again, I, I think, I don't think I can take the bad putters. I, I'm going to be leaning on guys that are, that are, that have been good putters historically and recently. The best Bermuda specialist in the field, Patton Kazire, at least with the guy with enough rounds, very good on Bermuda gains about a half a stroke per round, which is nearly double his normal baseline let's look at the 10k range here greg and it is uh pretty interesting because we've got hideki matsuyama 
leading the way at $11,000. I went and checked my database. I could not find another instance of Hideki being the most expensive golfer on a slate. So Hideki does it here. He's 11,000. Louis Ustazen is 10,007. Webb Simpson is 10,006. And then the bottom of the $10,000 range is Zalatoris, Reed, and Jason Kokrak. Kokrak is an even $10,000. When you look at this range, we have an elite course history guy. We have uh, Hideki who's been scorching and we have Louis who has been phenomenal all year long. What do you see here? Oh, I see a great range. Um, but I think the easiest way to handle this range first is to rule out. If you take Sia's model here, I, I don't think I can take the bad putters. I, I agree with that. Um, and so to me that rules out Hideki. It also helps that he's the highest, um, price player in the field. So, um, that it, it's kind of, even though he's been on a heater, it's a little easier to put him aside because he has that glaring weakness. Then you look at, um, Will Zalatoris, who also notoriously has struggles on the greens. I, I don't think it limits his chance of, of performing well. I do think it limits his chance of winning. And this is a range where you're looking for the win. You're looking for the winner. You're really hoping the guy you choose in the 10K range wins the tournament. You're obviously you're going to get the most value out of that. But these are the guys that you, you expect to have a chance to win. So now you're left with four guys who I think all I think all four of these guys have a legitimate chance to win, and they really fit the mold. And it's Louis Webb, mm -hmm. Reed, and Kokrak. All four of those guys to me are are really good options. Louis has been scorching um, not only in all of his play, but especially with the putter. Um, his driving may be a little bit of concern, but he 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 can drive it really well. Just at times, he's he's had some unfortunate misses off the tee. Um, Webb loves the golf course, but he hasn't been playing necessarily like Webb of late. Um, this year hasn't been the web year of last year, but he still loves the golf course and he's on definitely an upward trend in my opinion. Um, and Jason Kokrak to me has, has kind of a, you know, three of the last four years, he's had top 15 finishes here. This year is the best year he's had putting the golf ball. Um, and he's driving it really well, like he always does. So I, I think Kokrak is really interesting here as well. Let's dive deeper into Webb here because he's the one that we're going to have to make a decision on. See, you're probably going to have to take a stand on Webb Simpson, either for him or against him. And Greg's right. The last couple of, of months for Webb haven't been particularly great. And the first three rounds in Memphis weren't particularly great. He lost strokes on approach in each of the first three. And then just in time to head to his favorite golf course on the planet, he goes out and shoots one of the lowest rounds of the day on Sunday Gains three strokes on approach, which by the way, Sia Webb mentioned that in an interview. Very, I think he told, I think he told, oh, I'm going to step on myself here. Did he tell Michael, did, were you, did you have Webb on serious? Yeah. Yes. This morning okay. I was going to yes. jump. I didn't want to step on Sia's toes, but I was going to say, I'll, I'll give you a quick insight before yes. and I want to, I'm dying to hear what Sia has to say, but he talked about how, um, the key to his win at waste management was his increase in distance. He was able to pick up 10 or 15 yards and it led to that win. It took some bunkers out of play, but in doing that, he got a little more side bend in his swing and it affected his iron play, which all year I've been saying Webb Webb hasn't been as sharp with his irons and he, and he confirmed it today, which was really cool. But um, since the open championship, he's kind of been um, working away from that a little bit, keeping his shoulders a little more level. We don't need to get technical here, but it's improved his iron play. Um, and he's starting to at least 
it, whether the stats bear it out or not, he's starting to feel better with his irons. And that's the area that he's really attacking the area that he's focusing on. And, um, and I think that bodes really well for him heading into a place that, um, I mean, you could call it the Webb Simpson championship just as easily as the Wyndham championship. Yeah. He literally named his daughter after this event, named his daughter right. Wyndham. Uh, I, I just liked the fact, Sia, that he knew that he gained three strokes on approach in his final round. He's very in tune with what, uh, with what he's doing out there. But this to me, th this is one of the most difficult decisions you're going to have to make this week. Are you a web guy or are you not a web guy? That that's going to be the question. A lot of people are, are, are asking themselves. Yeah. And I think I'm going to be a web guy a little bit, but not, but not a lot. And I, I know that's kind of a cop-out answer, but let me give you why I'm saying it like that. Uh, it's because I think I want to play a little bit contrarian up here too. First of all, I do like Louie. I'll say that. I do like Webb Simpson. And by the way, I listened to Webb Simpson on PGA Tour Radio, Sirius XM, yesterday after his round. I didn't hear him this morning, Greg, on your show, but uh, he was really confident. He was really happy with his round. He was really excited to go to the Wyndham. And he actually mentioned, you know, getting COVID earlier in the year and kind of being injured overall, like in the first six months of the season. And it sounded like he's finally passed that. And he was really, it sounded, he sounded really confident going into next week. Hmm. So I, I think that's just kind of an inter interesting side note. I do think he sort of turned a corner, not just with what we saw in round four, but mentally it sounds like he turned a corner as well. Um, I like Louie. I mean, Louie grades out so well, but I, I do, I do want to mention Zalatoris and Hideki. I think those are potentially sort of contrarian plays when we see ownership percentages bear out. Decky, listen, he lost with the putter last week. No huge surprise, but it wasn't a huge loss. It was less than a stroke, but he gained 13.19 strokes T to green last week. He was eight point plus 8.88 on approach. I mean, he's striking the ball so well. I think all of these guys in this upper crust have plenty of win equity. It's just a matter of, you know, where you want to take your chance. And I think you can take a chance with Decky and Zalatoris, who, by the way, Zalatoris gained almost four strokes putting last week too. I know he's just been a really bad putter and he's kind of been bad, for Zalator's standards, you know, the last 24 or 36 rounds or so. But if that putter has sort of come around, and it's a big if, but we saw some evidence of it last week, I think Zalator's could also be a contrarian play. So I like Webb, um, but I also, and I like Louis, but I also like Hideki and Zalator's. And if the ownership is right, I think I might take a stab there. Zalator is 10,300. Let me put a bow on this $10,000 range because I don't get to do this often. But here is Webb Simpson's results at the Wyndham Championship since 2010. And I'll go oldest first. Eighth win, 22nd, 11th, 5th, 6th, 72nd, bum, 3rd, <laughs> runner-up, runner-up, 3rd. I mean, we. This is uh, Daniel Berger at Southwind, Webb at Window. I mean, th this is uh, elite level stuff here. So I wanted to make sure I, I mentioned it before we move on. If he wins this week, or if he wins here again, um, well, let's just say hypothetically it's this week. So he's got two wins at the venue now. This I think is the strongest course history um, example, like the strongest horses for courses example we have on the PGA Tour. I think it's stronger than Berger at. at um at Southwind. Yeah. I, I don't I'm not sure there's a better one. Maybe Brooks kept in majors if you count that. But what did Tricker do at John Deere besides the three wins? <laughs> um not not as not good as like this. this. <laughs> it was three in a row, but not it was not as good as this. He had a couple of like 50 somethings, a couple of um bizarre ones, which I'm I'm this is all off the top of my head, but it yeah. doesn't the non-wins with Stricker didn't wow me as much as they do for Webb here. 
And this obviously with the caveat of non-Tiger because Tiger at Bay Hill would have of been. Course. <laughs> yeah, of Everything course. is non-Tiger because that's all the default right. number one. Right. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. $9,000 range here. See a Brian Harmon, Tommy Fleetwood, Sung J.M. I've got some thoughts about those guys. I've also got some thoughts about Russell Henley. And then we go to the bottom of the range. Matthew Wolf, Adam Scott, Siwoo Kim, who uh, had himself a Sunday, and Bubba Watson, $9,000 range. Who's moving the needle for it? You know, for the first time in a long time, I, I, and with all due respect to the players in this range, uh, I really hate this range. I, oh. I, I honestly don't love anybody. If you made me pick a couple guys, I'd start with Russell Henley. Yeah, I'd start with like Russell Henley. Sure. And I like his course history here. And, and he, he's popped lately. You know, he's been a little inconsistent, but certainly a great course fit. I like him quite a bit. And I think, you know, Brian Harmon, he was pretty underwhelming last week. That might keep people off him, especially at a 9,900 price tag. But, you know, again, he has good course history here too. a 27th and a six, his last two tries here. He's obviously a good course fit. I didn't love how he played last week, uh, but, you know, he had a 19th at the open. So his, his recent history is, is pretty good fifth at the travelers. Uh, those are the two guys I like, but again, I'm not on anybody else. Henley, the last time we saw him, it was a while ago. It was the open championship. He missed the cut. His three starts before that were all top twenties. He gained a bunch of strokes on approach in each of those. He's now gained on approach in four of his last five measured events. We don't have his open championship numbers. They do not exist. Henley, uh, back in action this week. So, okay, Greg, if, Sia, who notoriously loves the $9,000 range, doesn't like it. Can I get some love out of you for some of these guys? Um, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say love. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. But I don't I don't hate it as much. I mean, this isn't a new T-shirt here. I, there, there's some, <laughs> I, I think there's an interesting guy, Brian Harmon, who you mentioned, I really like. I, I definitely think he is a very solid play. I, I don't think um, he's a guy that I would stay away from by any means. He fits the course, and, and his play – Although, yes, it wasn't great last week. It, it wasn't alarming. It was, there was nothing bad. There, if you look at his recent form and you saw a win T36, T19, cut T5, T19, T8, yeah. you'd say, okay, this guy, he had it coming. He had something coming here. There's no real high rounds. There's a lot to like about Brian Harmon. So he is a guy I'm, very, I'm, I'm fairly confident with. He's a good play. The interesting play to me is Adam Scott here. Ooh. Um, which I, I don't know if I've liked Adam Scott in an event since like the R Genesis. I was going to say right? since Riviera. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't think there's been one where I've said, okay, this is, this is Adam Scott time, but the play has been coming together to some degree. Again, there's a couple of high rounds, which I think are a potentially a good thing. It's a sign that he's close. It's a sign that. He needed a rhythm, and I think he may be getting that. He was, um, it, it, he's made, I'm sorry, I'm stuttering here, but he's made five cuts in a row. He's got two top 16 finishes in there, one at the Travelers, one back at the Memorial. Um, he was 36 last week with a round of 74 in the first round, 66, 70, 68. So there, there's some good play, but um, the, the reason I like him, he's his strength this year is his putting. Yes. Right? I was just looking he's at that 16th in strokes gain putting, and he's still holding his own to some degree with his iron play. He's 60th strokes gain approach. Um, the, where Adam Scott does not grade out is his driving accuracy. But with that golf swing, it's just, it's hard for me to picture Adam Scott spraying the ball and hitting it out of play. And that being why he doesn't contend. 
So I, I feel like he can hit some fairways when he needs to. I think he likes a tree line style golf course. I, I think it's a, I think it should be a good fit. And um, he might be my, I, Brian Harmon would be my top choice in this range. And Adam Scott would be my second choice. Since the farmers, that was at the end of January, Patrick Reed won that event. Since the farmers, Adam Scott's been the seventh best putter on the PGA tour, or excuse me, in this field, he's ahead of Patrick Reed and Brian Harmon's the fifth best putter in that time period. Of course, Louis stays in number one. He's been rolling the rock like crazy. Um, I've got one guy see it. And then I, I want to tell a little bit of a story. Um, I'm make, I can feel a case to be made for Sung JM who lost. Let's see 4.6 strokes putting last week. It was the second worst putting performance of his career. Uh, which is rare in itself because leading into that event, he had been a very good putter. He had gained strokes in five straight. He's starting to figure out the ball striking. Bermuda is historically his best putting surface, and he has two top 10 finishes uh, at this event in the two opportunities that he has played it. I could make a case that we we are trending towards a Sung J.M. week. Your thoughts, please. Well, a couple questions first. I mean, we were on Bermuda last week, right? We were. Okay, and he lost almost five strokes putting. So I just, I just wonder how much of, <laughs> I just wonder how much of an advantage that is to him. Now, of course, you could have a, a bad few rounds putting. I totally get that. The problem I have with Sungjae is, you, you're right, he's trending in the right direction. But at this price tag, is, is this something we want to take a chance with? I mean, if you look at, I think Tita Green, he only gained maybe a stroke throughout the the, the tournament last week. The that four is correct. Rounds. So, I mean, we're looking at somebody who, yeah, he can rebound with the putter, but hey, what's going on over here with the ball striking? So that's sort of the problem I'm having with Sungjae. By the way, I know you're going to respond to that, but I hope the story you're about to tell is about Siwoo Kim. I'm yeah, fingers that's crossed. The story. Oh, thank God. Okay. Yeah, let's just do it. So Siwoo Kim, who, um, let me tell you guys, has just elite, elite history here. He's won once. He's finished, I think, fifth and eighth. He's played it four times. He missed the cut in his fourth trip. Um, so there was, I'm sure there's a lot of excitement to be, to be rostering Mr. Siwoo Kim this week. Now you might've seen that he made an 11 on what was it? The par three 11th. I think it was, is that right, Greg? Uh, it was one on the second nine. I don't remember. I think it must, it must've been, was it 14? I don't remember. And it doesn't matter. It's gotta be (laughs) 11. I think it was 11. I think it was 11 too. So he puts five balls in the water and he goes on to lose 10.2 strokes on approach on Sunday, which, and Sia, you know this, I'm happy to write off five balls in the water as a bad hole and not even worry about it. But he also lost strokes and a lot of them on approach in the other three rounds to the point where he lost. And I want to make sure I get this right. 17 strokes on approach last week at, at the WGC, which is in my database by far the worst single week of approach play right it, now ahead of Smiley Kaufman at the 2021 Barbersol. So, so real quick, if you're not watching this on YouTube, I, I do encourage you to watch it because Rick just had the round by round breakdown and it really gives you an illustration because you might think, well, all that, all the loss on approach was just, you know, that, that hole in that round. No, I mean, he, he was pretty bad on approach throughout rounds one through four. I mean, really bad. It's so funny to me because he also lost almost eight strokes. Is it uh, with the putter? He yes. only gained, he only gained around the green. I mean, he gained seven strokes around the green, which is actually kind of miraculous. Lost 17 on approach and eight with the putter. It's, 
it's bananas. Like it doesn't even, I, I, it's so hard to even imagine somebody being able to do that. Look, here's the thing about the around the green. Well, I got two things on this one. If you're going to, if you're going to lose that many strokes around, um, approaching the green, it doesn't, if you're going to hit five balls in the water, it doesn't come from out of nowhere. It doesn't just pop out of no. That is something's broken. And it's clear this, the numbers really bear that out. Something isn't working and you just completely lose it and you don't know where to go to find it. You don't have a, a shot to get it in play. You have nothing that's safe, nothing to get, get a ball on a green, which players who are playing well all have that shot. Um, second, the strokes gain around the green thing is, I think, one of the most unique. Uh, I think it's the most unique um categories in strokes gained because the if you miss a lot of greens you have a lot more opportunity right. to gain strokes cumulatively so you see somebody gain seven strokes around the green it when you miss that many greens you got a lot of chances and right. it doesn't necessarily mean the short game's elite it, so it can be a little misleading and i I've, I've seen over the years those two things go together really bad uh, iron play and and kind of positive um, around the green play. And I, my, my theory is that it's because of, of um, because it's cumulative. Yes. If you're not following what Greg is saying, imagine if you miss, you have one chipping opportunity and you hit a great chip and you gain a half a stroke on that single chip and you hit every other green. You do not, it's a, it's a cumulative stat. You never have another opportunity to gain. If you miss every green and you're chipping 18 times around and you are above average 18 times around you are going to rack up strokes gained around the green because you have more opportunity to do so it's kind right. of a, a wonky little a wonky little thing right and i think that's really the only the only strokes gain category where it can be that misleading where it, where it's affected by it's so much affected by another area of the game Right. I don't really think putting is. I think putting does a nice job of breaking it down and separating it. I think approach play may have a little bit of that, like you and I have talked about before, Rick. But I really, I think, I think it it does a nice job of honing in on iron play. Off the tee is the most, um, the most pure. There's nothing else that affects that number. Yeah, and there's there, you know, everybody's hitting the same number of shots off the tee. Putting, right. everyone is kind of hitting the same number of putts. But if you're hitting more. Right. That it's re it's reflecting your shot. Everyone is basically hitting the same number of approach shots, uh, but they're not all hitting the same number of right. around That's the green a, shots. That that you you nailed it. Yeah. Uh, so, see, are we we're not, are we playing this guy or not? We're not playing this guy, right? I'm not playing this guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't. Man. Like, listen, he is unpredictable. And he's very hard to figure out. Uh, but there is really no metric outside of the fact that he has played well at Sedgefield in the past that that you could hang your hat on for this week. It, does he have a birthday or anything? See ya. Oh, no, I'll, I'll have to look into that. So far, I've just <laughs> done. So far, I've just done the narrative game, naming their children after the tournament, and and of course, Webb Simpson ranks out number one there. There you go. That's all you need for this week. We're going to get into the $8,000 range. This is where I think we started to get into some real value. There's a couple more stories I need to tell, but first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution 
for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, They've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there, and I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for for our listeners. Uh, First-time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. This $8,000 range here, Sia, this is where things start to get really interesting. We've got some big name players like Gary Woodland and Ricky Fowler and Kevin Kisner. And then we have some of these kind of up and coming guys, Seamus Power. We've got a winner from last week, EVR, back in the field. So you are consuming this 8K range. What do you see here? If you want to build the most balanced build of all time, you start your lineup with Seamus Power and you cool. you work from there and you work down from there. I, I, I really like Seamus Power and, and I, I don't think I need to really tell the story as to why. Obviously, finishing positions, I believe it's three top tens in his last three tournaments. The ball striking is there. He's just kind of one of those guys that's up and coming on the scene. And I don't want to say he's mispriced, but he's certainly a value in this field at 8,500. I'll tell the story. If you don't want to tell the story since the start of 2021, Louis Oosthuizen has been the best player in this field. He's played 47 rounds. Seamus power has played 42 rounds. He's the next best guy in this field since the start of 2021. He's been unbelievable. He's gaining 1.3 strokes per round. So what that looks like in terms of results is here's his last six. Ninth, nineteenth, nineteenth, eighth, eighth win, winner, winner at the at the Barbasol a couple of weeks ago. This has been trending in the right direction, Greg. He has been piling up strokes on approach. He's been he's he's been he's been great. Now I do wonder. There's always this hanging narrative of he had something to chase, and now he got the victory. And you wonder how that affects potential motivation. But I saw this guy out here in Vegas when he was playing the Corn Ferry. 
he was just, I, I mean, I know all these guys pure every single shot, but he was puring every single shot. Yeah, he's, he's um, look, recent form to me is always something you can lean on. I, I think recent form outweighs course history. If you have somebody who's playing really well and that it, it's almost, it can get to a point where the course history doesn't matter because they have confidence. And if there was a strokes gain confidence, mm. um, he would be really high. He would be right up there near the top. Now, is this for real? Is this a fad? Is this a, are, are we in a Hank Leviota situation where we're kind of wondering when is this going to end? When do I stop? Is this a one more week? Do I play him one more week? I don't know. The one thing is the the win. And and I just generally don't like playing guys coming off of a, off of a win. I, I I'm not going to go with EVR this week because he won last week. Okay. Does just, it matter? Does it matter that his win was three weeks ago? You know, the opportunity to celebrate, to get back on track, to refocus. That's much different than winning one day ago. It is. It's much different. Um, it, it, again, now it gets into, is this, was this a hot streak right. that ended? Or was this something that's real? Has he really built a, um, a foundation? Has he turned a corner in his PGA Tour career? And I, I've seen him play too, Rick. I think he, I think he has that potential. And so if his confidence has really grown, he may be a great option. So I, I'm not sure I'm as confident as Sia in starting my lineup here. There are a couple other guys I really okay. like. I, I set but, you up on Seamus. So tell me who who would you prefer in this range that, that you'd go to? I think there are a couple of guys who all have the same first name who are interesting. <laughs> the um, Kevins? And, and the Kevins. <laughs> I think the Kevins have some really um, interesting course history uh yeah. a recent form so my favorite kevin i'll rank the kevins please okay? my my favorite kevin this week is kevin na mm. um he is the leader on tour and strokes gain around the green is that just because he misses a lot of greens <laughs> he has a really good short game okay yeah. we can say that kevin na has a ton of win equity he as he already won the sony open this year we know that the guy can win but he came in tied second at the john deere classic he was tied 23rd last week um, and back at the Travelers, he came and tied 47th with a with a poor Sunday round of 72. But in his last 12 rounds, he's only shot two rounds in the 70s: a 72 at the Travelers, like I mentioned, which was in June, and um, and a 71 last week in uh, in the Friday round. The thing I like about Kevin Na is he's really fresh. A lot of guys are getting into a really heavy area of the schedule where there is um, a lot of travel, um, long distance travel, a lot of weeks in a row as guys are cramming to get into the playoffs. And Kevin Na played um, after the Travelers. He played once in July. He's played once in August. And now he's going for his second week in a row. And I think a fresh player playing their second week in a row grades out really well. And he's got a really nice course history here. Um uh, I believe it was what tied second last year or something along those lines. Um, maybe he was, I might be getting my Kevin's confused, but mm -hmm. he has some really nice course history here. So I, I like that element of Kevin. Not second would be Kevin Kisner. Ooh. Although the big concern with Kisner is the 79 on Sunday at the WGC. There's a chance that that round gets away um, you make a couple of big numbers that can get away from you quick out there, but it is a concern of mine, but kids, kids has been playing some, uh, not the kind of golf I typically like. Um, it, but I think there is something going with him because he's a really good putter. 
And I really like that aspect. I think it's a really good course fit. Uh, he He's an accurate driver of the golf ball. He's 20th on tour for the year. He's 14th in strokes game putting. There is a fit here. Um, and he has three top tens at this venue as well. So I, I think Kisner fits. And and I like Streelman's uh, approach game. And I liked what I saw from him last week. So he would be my third, Kevin. Um, he's definitely an option. He was 19th at the Open Championship. Yeah, and the team missed two cuts before that. Streelman did. Uh, but in in his five before that, they were all top 26s. So basically, yeah. five top 26 finish, or excuse me, six top 26 finishes in his last eight starts for the Streelman version of the Kevins. Uh, okay, Sia, would you like to take a crack at ranking the Kevins or would you like to point out someone else in the 8K ranger? I'll rank the Kevins. Okay. Uh, I want to go, I'll go Streelman, yep. nah, and then Ooh. Kisner. Listen, Ooh. Kisner lost 11.55 strokes tee to green last week. I realize that's just one week, but it's kind of scary. He lost over nine strokes on approach and you showed it. You showed the round by round, which again, you can see watching us on YouTube. It was pretty much every round where he was losing on approach. Again, it's just one tournament. I, I'm not going to single him out in in the sense like, oh, he's he's terrible all of a sudden. But as he as he ranks towards some of the other guys I like, like Kevin Streelman, for example, or Seamus Power, or Charles Schwartzel, the, the other guy that I like in the 8K range, it's just not something I'm interested in. Okay, let's talk about uh, Schwartzel here. Because the last time we saw him was a runner-up at the 3M, which I, I got to tell you, Sia, feels like a decade ago. Like mm -hmm. uh, there's been a lot of golf that has been played all over the globe since then. I can't imagine many people necessarily remember it, but it, it's not just that event. He's been on a, a pretty good stretch of golf right now. Yeah, he has. I mean, he's striking the ball really well. And I think it's a really, you know, it, this is really interesting because Greg brought up recent history versus course history. And I agree with him. I, I tend to lean more recent history than I would course history. But I think Charles Schwartzel and Kevin Streelman, for example, are an interesting case study in terms of bad course history and good recent history. And I think the opposite is true for Siwoo Kim and Sung J.M. I think when we look after this tournament, we can look at those four guys and see kind of what bore out from whether recent history was better than course history or vice versa. But Charles Schwartzel, listen, we this this show um and myself we've been on charles Schwartzel for quite some time and in this field i i don't think he's elite but i think he's a guy that can contend on a sunday afternoon especially the way the ball striking is going and his recent form and he does have some good course history too i mean he did miss his last cut see but he he was tied third in 2015 tied 14th in 2012 so th those are the only three times he's played here and when he missed the cut last year he shot 70 69 so I, I I don't think you're far off at all. I, I like the shorts will play. He has gained strokes off the tee in nine consecutive measured events. The only event that is not measured during that stretch was the one that he and Louis Ustazen lost in a playoff to Leishman and Smith at the Zurich Classic. So we obviously played well that week. Yeah, these are these are pretty strong advanced metrics for a guy that again, it's early on a Monday. We'll see how this shakes out, but could fly a bit under the radar just because people forgot about him. It's been it's been a long time since we've since we've seen him play. Uh, Greg, before I move on to the eight seven uh, K range, anybody else in the eights we want to we want to hit on? Oh, I, I um was looking at Schwartzel after the Kevin's. I, I think there are a couple guys that I would stay. Like I already mentioned, EVR, I'm not all that interested in. Yeah. Um, Justin Rose, I think, is just a cur a very curious case. Um, I can't get Justin right? Rose. I, I mean. I I can't believe it, but he's he's not going to make the playoffs. This guy in 2019, he needs a great week to make the playoffs, and he has the ability to do that. But that would be the narrative for for Justin Rose. Is Justin Rose 
motivated, determined enough. Uh, he is talented enough, but he's not playing well enough. Can can his will access some of that talent from 2018 and get him into the playoffs? I I don't know. I I but I, I don't like playing that way in um, in fantasy. As Sia mentioned at the top of the show, I have been uh, in auto fade rose mode for six months and i've i've survived it basically i mean the 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 weeks that he has good results the seventh at the masters he had a scorching historic thursday and putted the lights out the t8 at the pga championship gained over 11 strokes but i mean he is i've said this before being held up with sticks and air that is what is holding this game together and and it hasn't been that good in the last month the metrics don't back this up he he's he he's what is what's that meme you're not that guy buddy you're not what's that that jacob always says oh yeah. i wish jacob was here i think you i think you, you're not that guy buddy i think you're not that it. guy buddy <laughs> justin rose is not that guy buddy 7k range shall we let's do it 7k range starts with brand snedeker also pretty good history around here mito Pereira, who's played a lot of golf all over the globe goes all the way down see you to mark hubbard Ryan Armour, Kyle Stanley, Doc Redmond, to name a few. What do you see here? Well, I see a lot of guys that I think are going to be really popular. And, and what I mean by that is highly owned. And, and I'll just kind of start there. Um, I, I should have probably said Hank Leviota. This should have been the first words out of my mouth when you yeah. just went to me. So, of course, I love Hank Leviota. We'll get back to him, I'm sure, later. But Mito Pereira, like what's not to like, right? I, I like him a lot. Jonathan Vegas, speaking of good ball strikers, you know, the, the putter can get hot and cold. I think Revy is a really interesting – now, he's starting to look really good with the putter, and the ball striking has been there lately. Like, four of the last six tournaments, he's gained either five strokes or more ball striking. And the putter has sort of come around a little bit. So I think Revy's an interesting play. And the last guy I'll mention who is sure to be popular as well is Ryan Armour. I mean, Ryan Armour's basically your, your perfect course fit. He's going to keep it in the fairway, solid on approach, uh, can get hot with the putter. I mean, Ar Armour certainly has it all. I think he's going to be another – um, popular guy. Let I, me just go ahead. Go ahead. I, I have a Reavy nugget real quick, but before yeah. I do that, thank you, Polar Man in the chat. It's you're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy. <laughs> oh, pal. Okay. <laughs> so good. Okay. So Reavy's kind of interesting. So he has gained strokes on approach in six. Uh, six in a row. Two of those are, uh, he's played eight tournaments, but we don't have two of them measured. And the other thing is, if you believe in kind of the proximity buckets, which I I'm happy to tell you it's flawed. It's not perfect. But if you believe in it, from 125 to 150, he's 11th. From 150 to 175, he's 10th. That's a, a lot of shots come from those ranges on the PGA Tour, especially here. Now, I don't think that he forgets how to hit a golf ball when he goes to 176 yards, like his stats <laughs> indicate, which is why I think it's a little bit flawed. But it, it there, there might be something there. Sorry, see what were you going to say? No, I, I just wanted to start and finish with Hank Lebiota, who, yeah. who I obviously love. You know, one thing, I, the narrative on him, of course, he, he had been playing really well. Of course, he had that withdrawal a couple of weeks ago. But I think what people were worried about, to the extent anybody was worried about Hank Lebiota, they were worried about, well, is that putter going to stay hot? We know the ball striking is pretty good, but is the putter going to stay hot? I do want to mention in the tournament that he unfortunately had to withdraw from, in those two rounds, he wasn't very good with the putter, and yet he was going to make the cut. He had eagled his last hole, assuming he was going to have a lot of momentum going into round three. So he cleared the cut by a couple shots with a pretty pedestrian putter. So we now have sort of a case study or a sample size of, hey, the putter's not super hot, and this guy is still paying off his price. And at this price, 
I mean, he doesn't need to do much to pay off this price tag. He so it was WD then the th where he had made the cut on Friday night. Um, if you didn't see that, he left to attend to a family medical emergency. The three starts before that were all top eight finishes, and the four, five, six, seven starts before that, he had made the cut in every single one of them and been piling up top twenty. So if you assume that version of Libiot is coming back uh, this week to to Greensboro, you're probably in for a pretty nice little week. Um, okay, great, your turn. Seven thousand dollar range. There's a million names here so where do we start picking these guys out um the the first guy i think is really interesting um and and i'm usually not in this camp but this week i think i am he's at 7800 it's jt poston mm. now i watched jt poston um give away a tournament two starts ago um at the barbasol um he should have won that event he shot 65 66 66 and 70 where he made uh, he hit it out of bounds at 15 and they had to get the string out and everything and it was uh, it wasn't hard it was it was a slow motion car slow motion car wreck is what that it, was it was just brutal to watch um but he came back the next week um yeah yeah, the very next week at the 3M, and he put together three great rounds, um, 69, 66, 66 on Sunday. It was a 76 on Saturday that really derailed him. Now, when, when you have a guy like um, like JT Poston, who is second on the PGA Tour in strokes game putting, he is a great putter. And if you watch the Barbasol, um, that was on full display. So I, I love that aspect. He's won here before. I love that aspect. And I think he's really motivated where maybe Seamus power has kind of reached that summit and is on, um, that was the peak and he's going to kind of come back to normal a little bit. JT Poston is still reaching for it. And, and the reason you, you see that T26 and you say, okay, well maybe that was him coming back to normal. But it's the one round, and the one round as a player, you say, "I'm if I could just put four rounds together, I'm I'm gonna win. I'm gonna do it." And I I think there's something real there, and I think his metrics and his course history check all the boxes. I think there's something interesting about um about stat profiles that look exactly like JT Poston's does. So Greg, absolutely right. Second on tour with the putter, he's been phenomenal. Where he hemorrhages strokes is essentially on approach. Uh, but he has gained he gained three at the Barbasol, the event that that Greg mentioned that he kind of coughed up, and gained over four at the 3M open. Now, this is either outlier noise or he has found something. And the if it is outlier noise, you don't lose all that much because he is cheap and he is not going to be popular. But if it is he found something and it's going to be clicking, uh, the reward is very large there. It's kind yeah, of and a, it looks obvious, right? At right, the end of the week, it looks obvious, right? If he wins this event or finishes T five, we go, oh yeah, well he had been he had been striping it coming in, and he's the best putter on tour. Why didn't we see Why didn't we see this? Coming? Right, he was right there. So yeah. I like I really like that play. I like that angle. But I do agree with you, Rick. With a guy who leans on the putter the way JT Poston does, there's volatility involved. Um, and sometimes in a range like this, sometimes in every range, it's good to take a chance on volatility. But you combine that with with good recent form, and I think he got a recipe for success. Yeah. Can I I'll give you another guy? Please. Okay. Um, Pat and Kazire. That's the one. That's what I was yeah. looking for. Love yeah. it. So Pat and Kazire, um, the 3M Open 
didn't go great. Um, he started with 72. He ended up coming in tied 39th. So it, it wasn't a great event for him, but he was tied 11th at the John Deere, tied 25th at the Rocket Mortgage, a couple of T3s earlier in the year. And he's another one of those guys who's really strong with the putter. He's 16th in strokes game putting for the year. But my favorite, Patton Kazire. Well, I got two things I love about Patton Kazire. One, uh, he's 14th in birdie average. Yes. I love, I love that. The thing I really like about him is what he does on Sundays. Okay. It, just yes. read a couple of recent Sundays 70 at the 3M. I mentioned that was disappointing. 65 at John Deere, 64 at Rocket Mortgage, 67 at Charles Schwab, 63 at the AT&T Byron Nelson. The guy is not afraid of payday. He has gained strokes on Sunday in seven of his last eight Sundays, and the majority of them are, are like three strokes or more, which to put yeah. into perspective um, is a lot. Very, Low very scores. hot on Sundays. Um, I liked Kazire as well. I love the birdie ability. I love that 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 get hot ability. The other one that I thought was interesting was Adam Shank. Played very well last week at the Barracuda. Fourth place finish there. Now his second fourth place finish in his last four starts. He's made five consecutive cuts. Remember, there was a time where he was that consistent cut maker. Not so much anymore, but he's showing a bit more upside, which I think is pretty valuable. See, anybody else in this $7,000 range? I've got a silver medalist who has finished inside the top top six in half of his four trips to, to Greensboro. I've got some guys that uh, play fast and putt well. I, I, is there anybody else here that, that I could sell you on? So I definitely mentioned the guys that I like that I, I know are probably going to be really popular, although how popular it's a big 7K range. But I mean, obviously, guys like Mito and Lebiota, um, yeah. maybe Revy are probably going to be a little popular. But I have a guy that's not going to be popular because his recent form is garbage and his course history is not very good either. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> I yeah, love him. Right. <laughs> he hasn't been good and he stinks here. I love yeah. him. I'm sorry. The, the, the Raphael Campos argument. Um, no, it's it's Brandon Todd. I say I always I, say I Brandon, like it. I at Brendan him too. Todd. Brendan Todd. I, Brendan Todd. Brendan Todd. I said it wrong last time. So I think he, Brendan Todd is is a good course fit at the very least. Uh, okay, course fit for sure. Uh, because he should be the guy who plays out of the fairway and putts well, right? That's what that's what you like about him. See, and now the results recently are shockingly bad. Uh, because he had held his own for. 12 or 15 months on, on tour, especially kind of when, when the tour came back. But uh, yeah, it's shocking to see his results because you think this would be a pretty good place for him. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's just one of those things. I mean, do you really want to buy early on Brendan Todd? You know, typically no, but again, <laughs> I, I do think he's a good course fit and you know, I, I think he's going to hit, let's, let's put it this way. I think he's going to hit fairways and I know he can get hot with the putter. So it's one of those things where if everybody's going to be on all these popular guys, including myself, I'm going to be on a lot of the popular guys too. If I'm trying to find some ownership leverage, it's probably with a guy that has a pedigree like Brendan Todd. See, the thing is with Brendan Todd, you mentioned the results, how they've been like shockingly bad. It, he has to play really well to shoot um, the scores that get him in contention. And it has to be really consistent. So when I look at a guy like Brendan Todd, who hits a lot of fairways and leans on the putter, he is not going to go shoot 62 the way uh, like Patton Kazire has that kind of capability or Kevin Na, you feel like could go shoot um, the eyes out of it. With Brendan Todd, I feel like he's got to be a little bit more steady. And right now he's shooting 72 and 71. And that's not far off from being two rounds of 67, making the cut and shooting, making it four rounds of 67 and finishing in the top 10 or shooting one round of 65. And all of a sudden he's, he wins. 
So I, I don't think you're far off from him. He, he Brandon Todd's a guy who can miss cuts and be a lot closer than it, than it really looks. So I don't know if anybody cares about this, but I, I sometimes look at this. His last five missed cuts have been, he missed it by a sh one shot or two shots. He never, he never coughs it up. And that one or two shots to get yourself into the weekend, potentially move up. I mean, I, I think marking it as a missed cut and treating it as if he shot back two eighties is much different than what he actually. Absolutely. Did. You got to look at, you have to look at scores um, when you look at recent form, it's a, it's an important aspect. $6,000 range. This is where we are looking for some value starts with Adam Hadwin, Brian Stewart, Jim Herman goes all the way down to hmm, Raphael Campos is $6,000. Again, <laughs> someone named Matt Vick is $6,000. Uh, Christopher Ventura, 6,000. He hasn't played a lot recently. Actually, I don't know that. Bill Haas got into this field. I believe he was a sponsor's exemption. He's 6,000. See ya. What do you got? It's not a great range. You know, last week we started at the bottom with uh, uh, our, our guy, Jim Herman. And so that, let me that just, was awesome for that was awesome for 18 holes. It was good for 27, awesome. I think. And then it completely <laughs> fell apart. So, but, uh, but I think he scored at what was it, 72 or 67 um, DK points. Uh, oh, so he, which by the way, Yes, you're absolutely right. And I forgot to point this out uh, 40 minutes ago. Hideki Matsuyama finished second and had one half point less than Abraham answer last week because he made two Eagles. So be very aware. We talk a lot about finishing position, but it is not always perfectly correlated with DraftKings points. Birdies in bunches is always going to be king. Right. And, and, and I think if we're talking about Jim Herman, he clearly outperformed his min price of 6,000 oh, of regardless of, of Saturday and Sunday, not going very well for him, but it, let me just like make it fun. And then, and then and start at the bottom and then I'll just give a few other names. I don't love this range. And, and the cool thing is I think the pricing is so soft in this tournament, especially in that seven and eight K range. To me, you really don't have to dip down into this range much unless you just really like a guy, but I'll tell you, I want to, I want to follow guys that are good putters. Uh, and so this guy doesn't fit that narrative, but he has made five out of the last seven cuts and it's Michael Gellerman at min price 6k. So if you feel like jamming in a 6k guy because you want to, you know, stack some guys at the top, I think you could probably do worse than uh Michael Gellerman. Um I'll just give out a, a few more names Rick before before we Before um, you do that, Gellerman go. has been um so if you wrote, if you created models that were only like 100% strokes gained approach, Gellerman would be the number one player every single week because he just absolutely hits the hell out of it. Cannot do anything else, but he hits the crap out of the ball and he's got a couple of uh yeah, he makes makes enough cuts here. This isn't the worst thing I've ever heard you say, Sia. The worst and, thing I ever heard you say was Raphael Campos at 6,000. Yes. That okay. was the worst thing I've ever said. <laughs> and, and you know if you again this is a somewhat of a small sample size but if you look at the putting he's doing better you know he only lost one stroke the last time he was out of course at the barracuda i don't uh, he did he missed the cut obviously and i don't think he was very good but again approach can you get a hot putter maybe i don't like relying on that but again he's 6k the only other 6k guys that really came to mind um Michael Thompson, I think, is a good course fit. I, I like him. I don't think his course history is great, but a guy whose course history is pretty good for this price is Bryce Garnett. Uh, I like him. Uh, I think he'll find the fairways and, and could potentially get hot with the putter. And I'll just give one other name out. He's a random. He almost sounds like a fake golfer. You know, we talk about from like a video game. Is this guy even real? Mark Anderson at 6,300. He's made three out of the last five cuts. Now, he can get super volatile with the ball striking. Super volatile. But he does, he does sometimes... 
I mean, with the putter and with the ball striking, he does sometimes pop like every other tournament. So I think he's somebody to consider. I've never said these words, but if you were ever going to play Bryce Garnett, I think this is this is probably the week you mentioned it. See a, a couple of good results here. He does the two things that I think are interesting. Uh, hit fairways and putt and see what happens. So Bryce Garnett, 6,800 bucks. Uh, I'm worried, but hey, we're in the $6,000 range. And Greg, when we're in the $6,000 range, uh, we got to take some shots. So what shots are we taking? Uh, okay, so I got a couple. And I think there's some reasonable plays in this range. Um, one is Jim Herman. I know that we were on him last week and it didn't necessarily finish well, but that's a, that's a big time event. That's a really big stage for a Jim Herman. And mm-hmm. um, there, you could definitely look at that tournament last week. Um, uh, even though it was a 73, 75 over the weekend and say, Hey, I'm, I'm proud of him. Uh, so I am, I'm in that camp. And I look at a guy who's all of a sudden the, one of the ultimate, poppers on the PGA tour. The guy that is not what like the laughing stock of the tour who all of a sudden wins. And now all of a sudden he's playing consistent golf ever since the Memorial all the way back in early June, he's done nothing but finish inside the top 30 um, until last week. And as a past champion in a field like this, I I think he's worth another shot. I do think it's interesting that there was the Jim Herman love last week that everyone, no one will go back to, but you can still look at it and say, well, he outperformed his price. He is now on a stretch of, you know, five pretty decent weeks. And he got, we, he, we did that the week before he goes to the place that he won at last year. Like, like it is, there's something here to be said about just rolling Jim Herman right back out. I'd go right back to him. I don't have any problem with that at all. Um, Cause I, I think that 73 75 over last weekend is not indicative of his form. I think it's just a big, it's a little bit of a, a big stage for him. Um, and, and that's okay. And it happens on other stages too. It, it can happen. I, I don't think it's um, all that bad. I don't think it's anywhere near as bad as it looks. So a couple of other guys in this range, I'll give you two other names. Um, they're both, this is all, uh, recent form play. Okay. Roger Sloan. Yeah. Um, and Sam Ryder. These guys, it, it's they're trending in the right direction. For Roger Sloan, it was tied 31st at the Barbasol. It was tied 16th at the 3M. And last week at the Barracuda, it was sixth place. The guy is feeling confident. I think that has a really, really, really strong value. Um, and he's outside the bubble looking in to get into the playoffs he sits at 131st right now um in in the fedex cup he's one of those bubble boys that i think is going to have a real chance come sunday um and then real quick on sam Ryder, you're talking about three pretty good finishes in a row maybe barracuda tied 34th it doesn't impress you but it was a tied 25th at the 3m and a uh, a tied third at the barbasol before that and the Barbasol is where he gained 11 strokes on approach. Sloan was uh, Sloan was my favorite as well. He's just been piling up, made yeah. cuts. He's got two top 40s in the two trips that he's made to Greensboro. He's showing a little bit of that upside. Yeah, Sloan Sloan was my favorite at at 6700. Let me See, jump in real quick because please. because with Roger Sloan, it, it, and this is I think sort of the fallacy in in just relying on models completely because you just showed Sloan's what, what I don't know how many tournaments it showed on the screen, but his his strokes gain metrics, the last two or three times out, everything has really measured out. The approach game has been excellent, the putter has been excellent, but look at the John Deere Classic, 
Yeah. He lost, uh, I mean, he lost so many strokes off the tee and on approach. I mean, that's a total of almost 10 strokes. So if you're looking at, at a model and you're looking at the last 24 rounds, well, it's going to tell a much different story because he's going to be ranked like 95th and yeah. 110th and all these categories. A fifth, a fifth of those rounds, he was absolutely horrible, but the other 80%, right he was, now. he was pretty good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so again, I'm cherry picking my sample size here, but my point is, is when you're looking at a model, you do, you, you can't just generalize, oh, he's been that, that rank that he's been that bad over all of those tournaments it's just not true you have to look at the breakdown uh tournament to tournament i love it good point i think that's gonna do it gentlemen um one more thing please Our, i don't know if you guys saw on, on the first cut pod or greg i don't know if you saw it um we had an all twitter team last week which included oh, jim herman abraham yes. answer bryson brooks i can't remember who the who the odd man out homa there was probably on there homa was on there well guess what i put that lineup in I mean, it was a small tournament, but I put that lineup in and it cashed. The all Twitter nice. team cashed. Look Boom. at that. Giving away lineups. One for one. Uh, perfect, perfect winning rate. Phil Phil was the sixth guy in that one. We just named all six. Did Phil use the arm lock all four rounds? I know he used it round one. I know he used it round four. I thought he went back to... Do we know this? Anybody? Did you catch I, this? I don't, know. I, I don't know. I'm pretty sure he switched it midweek. I'd have to look, but uh, wow, that's pretty good. I like yeah. that. The good week for team. Phil. All in all, good week. Anything else before we get out of here? That's a, that's a great that's a great little nugget. See ya. Thank you. Yeah, all Twitter team. Jim yeah. Herman Twitter is un it's underrated. It's underrated. All right, that'll do it for the DFS preview for this week's Wyndham Championship. Tuesday is your mega preview pod, round by round recaps, obviously, and lots of implications because this is the final event of the regular season. But for now, let me thank myself for producing this show. Let me thank Sia Najad, who you can find at Twitter, on Twitter, at Sia Najad. That's Greg Ducharme, who is the real GFD. And you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.